all seen a little bit, little bit low energy this afternoon. I think we need to stand up. Stand up, stand up. A little bit of a jog on the spot. Jog on the spot, maybe three circles around, something like that. Oh. Beautiful. Beautiful. Where's Nelly gone? I could have got him to run some sort of camp, you know. That's oh, there you go. Y in church Y gun. That would be a first. This is what we do when you're away, Brad. Um, cool. Well, it's good to be here. Hopefully you all feel the same. Beautiful day. Um, I was thinking this week around what I was going to share and um, one of the things that um, came to mind around the topic that I was going to share was uh, a memory I had coming to camp over summer, um, midway through or something along those lines to one of the campfire nights. And I mean, I guess segue, I'll just say absolute props. I think I've said it to everyone that was there that night, but um, I just went away. I went away. I was quite, I was a bit teary on the night because I was just like, wow, this is actually making a difference in kids' lives. I was watching Curtis do his number out on the, on the fire and the singing and the dancing and the talking about fears and throwing your fears in the fire. And, you know, I just went away so proud. I just went away going, this is, you know, there's been some highs and lows getting to the moment that we were in in that space, not just at a camp level, but just if I go right back, you know, over... 10 years, you know, and so to be able to look at that moment and go, oh, this is worth it, I was like, this is really worth it, and, um, and so I was really proud of that. So, and what made me think about that was the, the, the story that um, Curtis was using was about the power of an imitatable example, and he was talking about, you know, when we go down to the giant swings or the leap of faith, and it was like, you know, people like, oh, there's no way I'm going to do that, that's too scary, and then someone did it and became an imitatable example for others to follow, and then all of a sudden what seemed impossible seemed possible. Um, and I was connecting with that around just, you know, what I wanted to share today, and I think it's actually quite similar with the power of testimony. I think that's what I love hearing people's stories, I love hearing, you know, what someone else did because it's actually really inspiring to me. The kids whenever a movie comes, you know, based on a true story, it's like, oh, that's that's the one Dad's going to watch because, you know, it's like I've got the opportunity to, you know, be inspired or learn or educated or something. It's like, you know, there's an opportunity to learn from someone else's story. And, um, yeah, and I, I just love that about that. And, and I was um, – actually, Leanne this week um, has been um, – what would you say, re-recording, re recording in digital form her grandma, who's passed away about 10 years ago, her grandma's journal, which she found or someone passed on to her um, recently. And, you know, it's amazing, like, listening, reading her story. And Leanne's grandma was the most quiet little, you know, like, you would, you would, she would have a story that she would think was completely not worth telling, you know, and um, we're reading this story and learning things about her grandma that we didn't know that are just really moving and really powerful. And, um, yeah, and there's just something, you know, and it's, it's having an effect on Leanne today. You know, she's been dead for 10 years. Obviously, she was a person that meant a lot to um, Leanne and, you know, Leanne's family. But, but um, yeah, the power of a story written, the power of a life story, the power of a testimony is just something that I've been... Um, I guess mulling over a little bit and it had me wondering and at, at the moment and maybe I'm 
at the age that this happens. I don't know. Gary, you can tell me this later. Was that a dig? Was that a dig or a compliment? I don't know. Um, but, but, <laughs> but, 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 you know, like it's had me wondering what story is my life writing? You know, what right now is the story that my life is actually writing? And if I read that story, would it be a story that I'm proud of or a story that I like? Would it disappoint me? You know, and, and, and what would God say about the story that I'm writing right now? You know, does it, does it honour him? Is it worth telling? Is it significant? And I guess I find myself, you know, you all know that we've sold the business and I'm sort of looking at what's next and I guess I'm in a fairly reflective season of life and um, maybe that's, you know, I don't have a lot of clarity around what the future holds. Um, and so I guess maybe motivated, or in fact, quite, I'm quite sure this is motivated, my thinking's motivated by, hey, I really want to make this next part of the story count, like I want it to count for something, so what's that story writing? And, um, you know, as I was thinking about that and thinking about, you know, this is a dialogue that's been going along in my mind, thinking about what I was going to share, it's like, you know what, this is actually just not my reality. This is everyone's reality because we are all writing a story. You know, Leanne's grandma, who I, if you knew her, you just she would be, she's the most humble, modest, quiet person, you know, and I'm sure in her mind she was not writing a story or certainly not one worth telling, you know, and it's like, but she's writing, she wrote a story that's having an impact in certainly our family's life and it had me wondering, well, what's the story that you and I are writing at the moment? You know, what what is that story? Is it one worth telling? Do we believe that... Um, it's something that we've got any input into because I think that's something when we're writing a story, are we just passengers to the story? You know, is this just, well, you know, this is what I do. I finish school, I go to uni, I go get a job, I work a job. I haven't got a story to write. It's just, that's just what life tells me I've got to do, right? You know, like, like is, there, is there a sense of feeling like we're part of the story or, or, or where, you know, some, could, we, could we even feel like we're a victim to our story? You know, it's like this, my life is actually happening to me. It's not something that I'm necessarily in control of or, 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 or I have little ability to impact or change. Or it might be that, you know, Sean, you're at school and it's like, well, what story can I write? Because I'm at school every day. But yet, I guess what I'm coming to learn and as I'm reading and as, I'm, um, as I've been sort of pondering this, it's like it doesn't matter what context you're in. You know, you're writing a story. And, um, yeah, I think, I think quite a few of us here would probably think they didn't have a story worth telling. Like if I was sort of doing a bit of a straw poll around the room, you know, as I was sort of connecting with the faces, I think there'd be quite a few of us that would think, well, you know, my story's not that exciting. I don't really have one really worth telling. And I would say that is an absolute lie. You know, it's a lie that I can connect with because I can feel myself feeling the same at times, but that's a lie. You know, because I believe, because we can all read the, you know, we all know the Jeremiah verse, you know, created, got a plan for you and a purpose and hope and a future and all that sort of stuff. And it's like we can, we can connect with that. But, you know, when we connect with it, are we really connecting with it and we do believe it? Do we believe it about ourselves? And do we believe that we're writing a story, that our lives are writing a story right now, today, like in this moment, tomorrow as we go to work or go to be whatever we are, go do whatever we do? Do we believe that God is writing a story in your life and it's got the power 
to impact others, to be an imitatable example, to use Curtis's language. You know, I think, um, I think shame can be one of the things that robs part of our stories because maybe we've done some things we're not proud of and so it's like, well, I haven't got a story to write. Well, the best stories are the stories like that, aren't they? The best stories that I... You know, the best movies are the ones where something really bad happens and then something turns around, you know, and I'm a big believer and I'm sure we all are in our heads. I just wonder if we are in our hearts that God makes all things good. You know, God works all things together for his good. And so I don't think any, what we know is when we read the word is that nothing cancels us out from writing a great story. There's no thing that we could do that's too bad, too big, too terrible that would cancel that story from being written. I think the beauty is, and the invitation is that, you know, we're writing a story and God invites us to take part, to allow ourselves to take part in the story that he's got planned. And I think... I think I can find myself connecting with that at different levels. You know, we've got this opportunity, I guess, to connect with it at a full level or not at all. Obviously, that's another option. Don't want to connect with the plan at all or something in between that. And I guess as I was connecting with this, I was thinking something in between. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. I can relate to something in between his plan and my plan because there's always that tension between what I want to do and what he wants to do and you know that what access will I give God to my life and to the story that he's wanting to write into it and um, I was smacked in the face a little bit by this um, this week Um, Leela's not here so I can well, unfortunately, not unfortunately, this doesn't actually diss you at all, Leela. Um, but anyway, Leela, Le- Leanne and I are painting our house at the moment. And um, yeah, we've, and we, we, one of the things we have, we did pray about first was should we paint our house? Because, you know, we really believe that God's our provider. And it's like, well, that's a lot of money. Do we want to spend that money on that? And then it's like, all right, well, let's, if we're going to do that, let's change the colour. It's like, oh, that's, that's pretty, let's have a look, let's have a little play. We'll play with some colours, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I, um, I, Leela's really good with colours and her house is beautiful and so I was like, oh, I'll give Leela a call and just see if she's got anything to add to this conversation and, um, and she did and, and actually what she said outside of what I'm about to say was actually really helpful. Um, she said, go to see the colour consultant. The colour consultant gave me colour and that's what we're using. So that's really good. But, um, but what she did say also was she said, well, have you asked Jesus about it? And I was sort of like... Oh, come on, Leela, like, you know, like God's got big things to deal with and there's something, there's something that's a little bit offensive about that to me. It's like, well, come on, it's a paint colour, really? Like, does God really want to speak to me about a paint colour? And as I was thinking about that and, and I guess thinking, does God really care, you know, in my story about a paint colour, I was like, oh, hang on, I'm a dad and... I know when my kids come to me and they're looking for some wisdom or some advice, it's not, it's not the topic that they're coming to me with that's the big deal. It's just the transaction of the relationship. It's the transaction of that conversation. It's like, oh, they're humbling themselves to come to me and ask for something that I can give them maybe or help them with. And it's like, oh, that, that changed it for me when I thought about that. It's like, it's not about me coming because there's only one colour that the house can be and and then if I get that wrong, you know, I'm going to be smited. It's this opportunity to be in relationship and be in this level of intimacy that um, perhaps is a stretch for me. And, and yeah, when I, when I looked at it through that lens, 
um, I was like, ah, oh, I think God wants to relate to me in a different way, in a, in a, in a, in a, um, in a big things and a little things way. Completely lost my spot in all this. I'm sure, I've got good stuff to share. Trust me, it's here somewhere. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. As I was thinking about this concept of us writing a story, um, and you know that we're if we can agree that we're all writing a story, you know, and we're, we're, we we think about what that story is that we're writing. I recognise that for me, and I think for most of us, we identify we identify as a something, not in a pronoun kind of way here, people. You know, we identify as a something in that story, like Gaz the builder, you know, Glenn the AF guy, guy, or not anymore, the business guy maybe, you know, um, you know, Chris the finance guy, you know, like what are the things that I, I think that we do identify as a... I'm a something, and the world reinforces that, you know, like one of my first questions, oh, what do you get up to? You know, that's a common question I'll ask people, and it's like it reinforces this whole, I'm, uh, insert X here. And, um, and I guess as I was, yeah, thinking about that, I was questioning would what we call ourselves, like I wonder for you as you think about what you would call yourself, like what would it be? Like what would people call Curtis or Ali? You know, I'd... I'm gonna, it's an easy one for you. I'm just going to Alice, she's, she's the camp girl. Like, she's camp camp director, right? Like, that's the first thing I think of. But is that helpful for our story? You know, what, as you think about it, like, what's what's the answer to that question? Who are you? Who do you identify as, you know, when you think about the story that you're writing? Aaron, the, like, what is that for us? Like, it'd be worth connecting with that because I wonder whether the answer to that question is the same answer that God would give when he goes, ah, oh, Curtis, he's the... I don't think he'd say he's the pastor or he's the camp dude. I, I don't think that's who, what he'd say. You know, I think for me, he wouldn't say, oh, you're the business guy or the finance guy. Or the I, don't think that's what, I don't think that's how you would relate to us. You know, I think he'd say, oh, Curtis is my son. He's my son. Ali's my daughter. And I, I, maybe I'm being philosophical, but, you know, as I was thinking about this in the context of this story that I'm writing, I kind of think it actually matters who you think the main character is. If I'm the main character in my story, if I think I'm an X but I'm actually a Y, you know, I think it actually matters to how, who I see myself being in that story, what emphasis I put on certain things in that story. You know, if I see myself as the business guy, I'm going to think that's the value I bring. That's what I, that's who I am. If I think of myself as the son, you know, who gets to do business, I still get to do my thing. It's like that's, a, it's, it's, it just changes the script for me. And it, it might sound like semantics, but I think the emphasis of the narrative that, um, I think it gets changed when I think of myself as a son. And in case we're not, you know, clear that, you know, we are sons and daughters. I think we all are, but let's just get reinforced by some scripture because that's always a good place to go to get reinforced. So 2 Corinthians 6, 17 to 18 says, And I will graciously receive you and welcome you with favour, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 
you know, I, I just feel like my emphasis shifts when I think of myself as a son or a daughter, first and foremost. And when the story that I'm writing is actually Glenn, from a place of Glenn the son or Ali the daughter, you know, that changes, it changes things for me. It, um, I had two business meetings recently where this kind of came up um, loosely connected to this, well, not loosely, actually really connected to this, but we didn't talk about this specific piece in those meetings, but we were coming together in two business contexts where we had some thoughts and strategic ideas that we were there to talk about around business. And, and I asked in both these situations, and it's sort of been a, a, a something that's just been spinning around my head. These are both businesses where the people involved are Christians, and I was asking, how would we define success? Like, what would we call a win in this, you know? And, and, and I guess as Glenn, the business guy, it's really easy for me to conform to what's a really simple, you know, recipe that the world would tell me, you know, well, get the revenue up, get the profit up, get the, you know, create a good culture and all that sort of stuff. And, but when I change the script on that and I say, well, first and foremost, I'm a son who gets to be in business with his heavenly dad, you know, does that change what success would look like in that context? Does that change the emphasis of what I might focus on? I, I think it does. <coughs> and I wondered for us, you know, as we think about this story that we're writing as a son or a daughter in that main identifying role that hopefully is, you know, in your mind now of what it is that you would define yourself as or what maybe the world would define yourself, define you as, you know, what would success look like in that role? You know, as a mum, for example, like what, is, what, is a, what does a successful mum look like through the lens of being a daughter? First Peter chapter 2, 9 to, to 10 in the message says, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made, from you, made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Now, what does it, what does it look like to insert our name where the you is? But Glenn, you are the one chosen by God. But James, but Chris, and you're the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instrument to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. I mean, to me, that sort of speaks about what my job is and what maybe success might look like in all the different areas that I might, the context I get to interplay in. And it speaks to me is that we're kind of the plan A, which, you know, we've heard all that before, but, you know, the, we're, we're God's plan A, you know, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be God's instrument to do his work and to tell everyone the night and day difference of what it looks like with and without him. And I don't say that, I, th I think I can read that and I think there's part of me that can pick that up and go, right, rah, 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 let's get on board and let's sign up to this and sign up to that and get out there and almost take it on as a pressure. But when I come to it as a son or a daughter, 
And it's like, well, I've got this opportunity to humble myself. I've got this opportunity just to let you use me as your instrument, however way you want to do that. Um, and I'm available to do that in the context of whatever it is that I'm involved with. And through that, you're going to write a great story. And it might not be the story that I'd write. It might not be the story that the world should tell me I'd write. But there's this opportunity to write a story. It's like, oh, I think... I think I can connect with that. I think I can get a bit more excited about that. I think one of the things that um, can be a challenge or an obstacle to that is that when we find ourselves in, I guess, a formation process, like God, my experience, I think a lot of our experience here is that often um, we see God using situations and contexts to stretch us and grow us in our faith. And like that formation process, like, oh, I just feel like you want me to do this, but then you're making me go through this to get to that. And it can feel like that's a really difficult thing. And I was just encouraged as I thought about that in my own mind this week is around the story that I'm writing and some of the things that, you know, I'm hanging on to because God has spoken about. It's like, you know, he's, he's, he reminded me of the verse in Isaiah 55 where he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways. And I think that's, um, yeah, that can be an encouragement for me as I think about the story that God's writing when I'm in the middle of something that I don't feel like is a great part of that story or a hard bit of that story or a challenging bit of that story. So what am I trying to say? If I was to summarise what I'm trying to say, I'd say my life, your life, is writing a story. You know, like it or not. Like you're writing a story. And the piece I think really, uh, the emphasis I'd love to place on that is that that's a story that has the ability to impact many, even when you think it isn't a story that's impacting many. You know, Stella, Leanne's grandma's dead, but she's having an impact years beyond her life to the generation that sits below her. You know, and that's a powerful, you know, if God uses that piece there. I remember someone telling me the story about Billy Graham and the guy who converted Billy Graham apparently was like some farmer out in Hicksville and, you know, he converted Billy Graham. And that was his bit, you know. You don't know, I can't remember his name. I remember Billy Graham's name. But he was the dude that converted Billy Graham as a kid and took him on a tractor, I think, to some, you know, some, some outreach thing and Billy was converted and the rest is history. It's like we don't have to play the main role in the story, in the, in the great broader story, to have a really significant difference and make a big significant impact. So our lives are writing a story. We have free will to invite God into none, some or all of that story. You know, yeah, it's our free will. We don't have to invite him to any of it. But you can also invite him into all of it. And it's not about paint colours. It's about relationship. It's about the little things aren't about the little things. They're about the relationship that it opens up. I think for me also it's about the confidence that you get through those transactions because you can hear something in a little thing where it's not a big deal whether it's right or wrong or whatever, but then in retrospect you can see God's hand in it and go, ah. Oh, I heard that voice, that's the same voice that's asking me to do this big thing. I'm getting a bit more confidence to work in this big thing because I trust him in this little thing. So I think those little bits matter too. 
I think that God sees you as his beloved son and daughter first and foremost, that your identity in him is not what you do, it's not what your title is, it's not, it's just that you're a son, it's just that you're a daughter. And that comes with an opportunity to be the chosen one, to be, to be the instrument, to be the plan, the plan A for doing his work. As I was thinking about that, and I've, I've, I, I don't get a chance to speak up here very often, but I reckon there'd have to be just about a 50% strike rate of me using this verse when I do. So if anyone's keeping a book on it, here I am again. Um, <laughs> I'm reminded of the Romans 12, 1 to 2 verse in the message, which I'll just read out. But um, I mean, to me, this speaks into it. It speaks exactly of it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what Dodd does... What Dodd? Embracing, <laughs> embracing what... I said that in a little... I've got a little recording of me as a two-year-old saying, Dodd. <laughs> anyway, here I go. Still in me. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I mean, I think that's kind of the core, right? That's the opportunity, that's the invitation, that verse. You know, we're invited to partner with God to allow our everyday life to write a story that will serve and honour God and allow him to advance his kingdom on earth through you, through us. And I find that really helpful because somehow that makes it more accessible to me to be thinking it's just my everyday life, just the context of life that allows me to offer it to him and he can do something significant with. And I think there's two groups of people and ashamedly I'm probably on one end of the spectrum here that um, two groups of people, those that want to put their super Christians cape on and go, you know, start a world vision or be the Billy Graham or whatever. And, and, and you know, that's, that's, that's been my history. It's like I'm waiting for the what's the big thing? What's the thing that I can put my stamp on and go, you made a difference and you can be proud of that, you know? And I think there's on the other end of the spectrum, there's, there's the people that go, I don't, I don't really have a lot to offer here. I don't really have a lot to offer the kingdom and there's not really anything in my role that can really make a big difference. But I feel like this truth meets both those, like it intersects both those because it says to the guy who wants to put the super Christian cape on, you know, how about, how about a bit of humility, chap? Because, you know, it's not you. It's not you that's going to do it. It's just you humbly offering yourself as a son and going, I will allow my life to be impacted and guided by you. And through that, you will work in me and achieve wonderful things for your purposes, whatever that might be, big, little, small. You know, and it's exactly the same for the person who thinks their life can't be used. It's like, I will just humbly offer myself and allow my life to be used and directed by you and allow you to write the story of my life and that you can do amazing things in the hands. When I put that my life in the hands of God, he can do amazing things and do far more than what I 
hope for. I just feel like that truth just intersects so perfectly with those two ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And so I guess as I was just thinking about, you know, the whole, this whole concept of a truth, I, I feel like this is, maybe it's just for me, and this is the benefit of being able to get up here is, you know, you end up delving into something that is really what you need, you know, um, which is great. And so I know I need this, but I was, but I'm also aware that this can be, I've heard some really good truths on a Sunday that I can just nod my head to. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty good. And yeah, I can see the truth of that. But I, I, I was imagining what it might look like for us to actually really grab this as a truth that we believe, that not just our heads believe, that our hearts believe, that it became our truth, that I believe my life can make, can write a powerful story for the advancement of his kingdom if I'll allow him just to guide and direct every piece of it. You know, like that to me is a compelling invitation you know, and uh, I know it's our hope and it's our desire for many of us, but, you know, I think one of the things, I think one of the things that can stop us is our belief that um, I think some obstacles can get in the way of that. And I wondered what it looked like to just let those obstacles go and to, I guess, be in a position where we truly believe that our lives can write an amazing story. And I wondered what it would look like... um, Yeah, I wonder if that would change the way that I live my week. You know, would I look for him on just the big things or would I look for him on the little things? You know, would I believe that my story is one of significance? You know, would I believe that he can make a difference? Would I see that through an intimate relationship with him, you know, he gets to write all the chapters of my story and then do wonderful things with them? So we're going to go into some groups now and have a little chat. I don't know if the questions are going to come up on the board, are they? Or do you want me to there call them out? Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, that's true. Sometimes it's, I know for me, sometimes I can connect with something more on my own than. I can sort of lose it in the group and then, so yeah, so we could do some time on that yeah. and then go into our groups. Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I've written a few couple questions. I can just, I'll just put on some music and yeah. just threw a couple, a couple questions and then Perfect. we'll put up some discussion questions. On Perfect. Thing. Is that good? That's I great. I think it'd be great. Um, like if you, a, if you have your phone or a journal or whatever, like, I mean, honestly, the process I was thinking about, I mean, here, I'll all I was thinking about, and I don't know if people agree or have another piece, but all I was thinking was um, maybe we could just ask, like, just sit with the Lord and, and and start with an honest reflection of who I think I am. Like, this question is, like, like get honest with, like, well, what words would I describe for myself? And not, not get caught there too long, but, but connect to that. You know, like, what what is the what is the thing and then and then and then turn it and ask him well what do you say like i heard you saying that who does jesus say i am and if it's easier to to connect to the idea of like how would he describe me to his friend (laughs) you know oh that's curtis he's 
you know, and let that sort of truth. So start with connect it, connect it. Cause I think the power comes when we realize how we think about ourselves and then, and then the contrast of how he thinks about us or in sync, maybe that's helpful to you. Uh, you know, and then, and then maybe, and then maybe, you know, what, what are the obstacles between my idea of who I am and his, what's in the way, what could I lay down and just go on a process of that. And then we could enter into our discussion. Would that be okay? So kind of three layers. Who do I think I am? Who does he say I am? How would he describe me? Pick some words and then, um, maybe give you some pictures or some words and then, and then what's in the way of me taking that on? Yeah. And then we could, and then we could have some group discussions. Is that okay? Does that sound good? All right. Ben, I'll put, I just, yeah, I felt like Jesus just offered me a grace-filled picture of um, uh, when I was asking him how he sees me and, and he sort of showed me um, a couple of the guys I have in my life that are just these old friends, you know, an old friend that you just connect with and you just get you know, you haven't seen them in a while, you know, but you connect with them and you're just like right back there, you know, right back. Either to those times you had together or something about the times you had together just just makes it work, you know, and it doesn't matter what context. And like, I was thinking about a couple of my friends and I could barely even think of their kids' names, you know, at the moment, but it just doesn't matter. Like if you get together in a room, it's like, boom, like you're right, you're connected. And I feel like Jesus kind of reminded me of that when I was asking him, how do you see me? thoughts into the next thing well it's like well you know what parts of your life you know because it it feels that way in parts of your life you know in our relationship he's saying to me you know and I think one of the things that I find so hard is I go places and I I problem but I go places and I just have these really deep connected people that in my life and I just doesn't matter where where I am I, I find them and every time I leave I think to myself this is the dumbest idea ever why would you why would you you know love so deeply love so richly it told me to lose that you know and I remember um, I remember I learned that lesson uh, here in Australia actually when I came in in 06 all of 07 six I spent here and I just um, felt like going home the Lord said to me um, in that time that um, it was worth it to have loved and then lose you know like to walk away from it but it was worth it it was going to be worth it and I couldn't have known at 23 you know what what that meant for me and then I came home and I thought that meant I, I have to I need to go back that's literally what I thought. I just I must be turning around to go back. So I went home to make some money to come back. That was the goal. That's how I perceived that feeling. The Lord said to me, this was worth it. You know, and I couldn't have imagined that story. I couldn't have drawn it up a different way. And then, and then I, and then, but then there I was and I was faced, um, 
with an opportunity to join a church and sort of a young adults thing that was happening and do some worship and just be part of something. And there were some cool people there. And I thought, well, I'm only here for three months. It's not worth, it's not worth it. I'm going back. And I felt like the Lord reminded me again, oh, but it, but it is worth it. When you lean in and do it, that's, that's what happened in Australia. You should try it here. Even if it's three months, I felt the intrigue. And, uh, you know, when I'm thinking about, I'm literally thinking about emotionally getting emotional. I'm thinking about that guy that I met over coffee when the Lord said to me, it's, it will be worth it, just even a few months. <laughs> he became my best man, and, you know, he still lives there, and, and he's this deep friend that I have was worth it and I couldn't imagine the story I went on you know and I met my wife in that space and the Lord drew a picture and then and then good gosh he brought me back and it was worth it and it was all worth it you know and like time tells a story you know these things that God doesn't so all these things and then and then the Lord says to me but like and I keep thinking every time everywhere I go I'm just like dang it this sucks leaving sucks like ripping and tearing and all that sort of thing and I just felt like the Lord just took me back on that journey here just in these moments spinning around in that cool space of just like oh it's worth it and then and then he said to me that longing that ripping and tearing that thing doesn't need to exist between us That's the thing I'm sad about. That's the thing I'm emotional about is the, the heartbreak, you know, of the ripping and tearing of deep friendships and uncertain futures and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like he's saying, I'm the, I'm the actual antidote for that. I created those things. It's a longing we have for eternity. It's a longing we have to be together. It's a longing we have for heaven. It is. That's what that is. But you can have that with me now. You don't have to wait. And I feel like there are parts of my life where, where it's more like that kind of a friendship. And I feel like he invites to step towards him in those parts of my life. And uh, I, anyway, if it means something to you, it meant something to me.